listen to me, don't listen to you. Like who who knows? Because I even started to get into like the science because I think even Sayers indexed something on Green Info, whatever. And I was like, who cares anymore? Like that's not a method of internalizing what is relevant to me. I have to experience it and then I will know. And that's true of everything right now. You know, you have to experience what you're feeling called to explore because the guru model is dead. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. I'm your host, Otto Gomes. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Kelly Brogan. I'm so excited to have you guys listen to this episode. It was an amazing interaction to have with her. She is just embodiment of love and connection and vibration and movement. And I just loved talking to her. Kelly Brogan, MD, is a holistic psychiatrist, author of the New York Times bestselling book, A Mind of Your Own, Own Yourself, the children's book, A Time for Rain, and co-editor of the landmark textbook, Integrative Therapies for Depression. She is the founder of the online healing program, Vital Mind Reset, and the membership community, Vital Life Project. She completed her psychiatric training and fellowship at NYU Medical Center after graduating from Cornell University Medical College and has a BS from MIT in systems neuroscience. She is specialized in a root cause resolution approach for psychiatric syndromes and symptoms. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you to Kelly Brogan. So tell me, tell me some more about your journey and how you got to this point. And, you know, my audience, um, I try to give as many perspectives as possible about this reality. And yours is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure people have seen you several, several times in several interviews, uh, but I like to do a, a, a specific flavor of going through that journey. So if you can just share with me your journey and what that red pill moment was for you that really shifted you away from this matrix. Mm. So I've been thinking about this a lot, right? Because we all have somebody in our life who maybe it's not about like specific pandemic related information, but maybe it's related to some other, uh, you know, red pill topic. Um, I know that, you know, my partner Sayer and I have like World War Eight level, you know, debates about things that like, you know, my friends laugh about, but literally it's like brought us to the brink of even like considering ending the relationship because it's, it's that ontologically divisive, right? So everyone has some taste right now of what it is to recognize that we are each in our own individual, I call them reality tubes. Like we're, we're all each of us in our own, you know, dimensional experience that we are responsible, you know, for curating and protecting and, and maintaining and developing and evolving. And when we see and feel that we don't share that with somebody beloved to us or intimate, um, it brings up a lot of our childhood stuff, right? And so mm-hmm. this, this, this process of like feeling that we have to coercively awaken another, right? Like, wake up! <laughs> You know, it's like um, it comes from a place of it comes from the same energy that we are awakening from, I think. Right. Like that hierarchical control based 
you must do as I say, you must be as I, you know, need you to be kind of energy. And so even awakening to that, you know, this like holofractal reality of like, you know, we're always um, representing that which we're judging and we're experiencing on the outside that which is inside. And that journey, that experience of like the onion ever peeling over and over and over again, uh, really began for me uh, medically, you know, it, mm. it began as it does for so many doctors who've left the cult. I mean, there aren't actually that many who have truly left, in my opinion. Um, but for those of us who are mostly out the door, uh, it started when we had a personal experience with the gross limitations of the model that we had invested in representing. And, you know, I was postpartum, uh, my first pregnancy about nine months or so. And on a routine physical, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Mm. And I had been already um, specialized in treating with psychotropics, pregnant and breastfeeding women. So that's how much I believed in the conventional model is that I actually, my personal patient population was pregnant women and women who were breastfeeding. And I would prescribe them medications like clonopin and lithium and, you know, all manner of antidepressants um, and hypnotics. And the reasoning was that if I didn't do that, their illness would have all of these consequences. Mm. Right. So it's like a false dichotomy, like do this, because if you don't do this, then there's only one trajectory, which is continued neglect and associated horrors. Right. So it's framed um, in a very, you know, uh, I don't know, deceptive <laughs> way. And we could argue about whether that's intentionally crafted or whether it's just sort of the nature of the system and what it reflects. Um, but at that time, I wasn't like a bad person then and now I'm a good person, you know? Like I still was someone who wanted to help people. And when I look at why I wanted to help people, it's not because I'm, you know, some, you know, Mother Teresa. Was, now Now that you go down these rabbit holes. <laughs> now that we're like, she ain't even one. Okay. So what's a better example? It's like an that angel. Okay. Like, I'm <laughs> it's like so ingrained, right? The brainwashing is intense. Yep. Um, when I look back at like why I even became a doctor, I think like many, it's because I have such an intense intolerance for human suffering, including my own, and so little experience with it um, that I felt best when I was armed and empowered with a toolkit that assured me I would know exactly what to do the moment someone in front of me was suffering or struggling. Mm. Yeah. So, and I worked a suicide hotline when I was in college at MIT and, you know, I was trained to know what to do when somebody literally was, you know, standing on the top of a building, which actually happened. Um, we know how to fix this, you know, this brokenness inside of you. And so that really took me quite away. You know, I went to 10 plus years of training in this system that led me to experience myself as having some degree of mastery over you know, the dilemma of human suffering. And meanwhile, you know, it's like that whack-a-mole game. It's like wherever you, you punch it, it pops up somewhere else. So, you know, but that's what we have another medication for and another medication. And it's just this management 
uh, hamster wheel that both the patient and the clinician collude in spinning, you know. So when I was diagnosed, you know, I, I just, I felt this resistance, this voice that was like, oh, hell no, I am not taking Synthroid for the rest of my life. I mean, it wasn't from some place of like, oh, I love my body and I know it can heal naturally. No, 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 nothing like that. It was, it was merely logistical and framed almost as like laziness. Like I can't deal with that. I'm not going to see. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it was not. Um, I also had yeah. a natural birth, um, not because I was connected to my like divine feminine essence, because of the science, because I'm, I was, and I'm working on, you know, my, my shadowy aspects as a know-it-all, right? And so I had an OB, then 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 moved to a midwife because I felt like this OB doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. I know the data better than her on episiotomies and, you know, uh, fetal monitoring and stuff like that. I've done the research because I want to know and I know how to read PubMed articles, right? And uh, I switched to a midwife probably because I felt like, oh, I'm the MD. She's not going to question me. Mm. I bet it was something like that. And ultimately, I had a natural birth because I felt the data supported that. That's literally why I did it. And it was hard as hell. <laughs> like it was not like gratifying or like deeply reward. It. I mean, it was like a marathon, you know, like it felt like I ran a marathon and I, I did the damn thing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it was not until I was diagnosed and, and had that sort of like screech, you know, like the, the sort of like, what, what do I do? This sucks. Like, I'm not, I don't want to do what I know to do. So here's my cognitive dissonance bifurcation, you know, like I either go the way I already know and I don't want to do that. First of all, I know how these women feel because I've treated them as patients and I know they never feel well. Mm. on synthetic hormone and they never get off it. So no thanks. You know, I'm in my like whatever I was in my 20s or whatever the hell I was, 30 or anyway. And the other option was like the wild unknown. So, you know, at that fork of cognitive dissonance, when you're when you choose not to deny what is being presented as a rupture in the fabric of your reality, you must reloom <laughs> your reality, mm. you know? So that's why um, it takes, you know, it takes some level of readiness and and fortitude to go that path. So like, that's what I mean. Like, how could we really reasonably expect this of like our average family member or partner or whatever? You can't expect that of somebody. The ingredients for readiness to depart from the familiar uh, and all that, that attends that acceptance and tribalism and all of the psychology of like mastery over your reality. And I, I know what's going on. I got this. You leave all of that to go who knows where, and you could be shamed and blamed for going off into this, like re on this renegade path. Like that takes, it takes a lot. So that was my moment where I went to a naturopath, which is hilarious that I did that because I was like very, very super secular, like super allopathically minded. I was like good at uh, prescribing, you know, like I was sort of like, in my training, we were, it's almost like a cowgirl, cowboy kind of energy, like five meds, seven meds. I got this. I know how to do it. Like, I know what mm. the interactions are. You know, I know how the liver metabolizes this and you know, which ones are renally excreted, whatever, like all that mumbo jumbo, um, pseudoscience. It really is, um, mm. around pharmacology. And I turned away from that and I went to a naturopath and I changed my diet. <laughs> That's all I did. <laughs> I didn't start meditating. I didn't start exercising. 
you know, I had started the sort of like conscious consumerism around products mm. um, at that point, but that's it. And I watched in black and white on paper, which is the kind of uh, experiential, you know, data I required mm. at that point. My numbers, you know, my antibodies go from the high 2000s and my TSH go from 20 to the normal range. I watched it in black and white and I could never unsee that. I could never unknow that. And wow. I, you know, I came from the generation, I don't know what it's like now, I can't even imagine, but, it, you know, medical school training where there was one hour of nutrition education and it's pretty much like, by the way, if you're diabetic, like don't get a big gulp size soda, you know, like, <laughs> like, like literally, no, I'm not even kidding. Or like, here's how you order a low salt diet. Like it's so remedial. That's so, like, you, you have, you have poop all over you, but let's just, let's just. <laughs> Let's just throw, let's just get this small, tiny rag and just wipe, yeah, try exactly. to wipe it away. Wipe it's like, it oh my God. <laughs> so it was amazing. And you know, this, I watched this happen because I basically, I'm Italian American. My mom's from Italy. And oh, me too. Well, I'm, I'm Italian Brazilian, but yes. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that. Oh, that's cool. We're in Italy. Uh, well, my, my dad's lineage is Italian. My mom is Portuguese. Um, so Italy, I don't even know. Um, I honestly don't know. Oh, oh, Venice, Venice. Oh, it's oh, Venice. So it's yeah. Tuscany. Yeah. yeah. My mom is from Tuscany and well, they, that's a spicy combination you got going on there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I was raised eating literally three meals a day, bread and cheese. So bread and cheese all day, every day. So, you know, I took out gluten and dairy and I don't know, that was like all it took pretty much. Um, and when I saw it happen, you would think I would be like, wow, this is not, this is a recidivistic condition that's supposed to last my whole life. And I, I, I put it into remission, you know, in the space of like wow. a year. I think I was on, um, you know, there's like a versions of natural hormone basically up for maybe like, I don't remember, nine or 10 months and came off it. I've never been on it since. And you'd think I would have been so pumped and so excited like that this whole potential space of, you know, healing and moving beyond diagnosis opened up for me experientially. And I could share this with everyone in my practice. I was pissed. The rage, which obviously has been in my body, maybe from many generations prior, but at least from my childhood, you know, that, that bubbled up inside of me. It was like Joan of Arc shit. You know, like I literally like took my sword out and I was like, I'm going in, <laughs> you know, I will play the pharma beast by myself naked, like watch out. Wow. And, and I wrote my first book from that energy. I spent years like minimally sleeping, obsessively writing. I wrote hundreds of blogs, um, researching, researching conferences, like autodidact mode to the max, just like teaching myself everything that I did not learn from, you know, the blood, sweat and tears, indentured servitude, you know, and potentially like, you know, trauma induced chronic illness of my training. Mm. And I was pissed that nobody ever told me that you could put an autoimmune condition into remission. Of course, we know why they, mm. they didn't happen to mention that, um, you know, about the power of nutrition and, and just like any even scientific aspects of biology around the connectedness of these systems. You know, I learned that the field of psychoneuroimmunology was like sort of conceptualized in the 1990s. Wow. I never heard the word one time in my training. I specialize as a psychiatrist, you know, like 
I don't know. So I really was like fueled by rage and righteous indignation for many years. Wow, this is amazing. So so when did what was the year that that happened or how many years ago? Oh, uh, so I was diagnosed in 2010. End of 2009, 2000. And then you wrote your first book right after that, a uh, year or so after? While, no, it was a while after that. Um, I, it was in 2010. So shortly thereafter, I was gifted a book called Anatomy of an Epidemic by a therapist friend. And she's like, what do you think about this book? It just came out. Like, it's like, people are like up in arms about it. And, you know, you prescribe these meds. So what do you think? And it's written by investigative journalist Robert Whitaker. And you know how, you know, these sort of constellation events in your life, all of these variables coalesce. And if even one of them was missing, you know, the path forward would be different, right? So because I had already started to awaken to the potential to self-heal, I read this book which I literally would have thrown in the garbage can without even turning a page like a year prior, Mm. even six months prior. I read this book, blew my mind, literally, and I never prescribed medication again. Wow. Never, to this day. Meaning that I never started anybody on medication again. And from that point, I turned the last page. I remember I was crying on the subway reading this, just realizing my whole my whole thing, the whole house of cards. You have to grieve, you have to grieve that loss of going through all that. The finality, like there's no going back. And can I, can I hold space for people who are, you know, actively, you know, so-called psychotic and suicidal and, and not prescribe them medication? Like what Mm -hmm. would I do instead? And so it was from that, you know, sort of like, I don't know, energy that I, um, I dedicated my practice to helping people come off these medications. And that, you know, that was my uh, practice for a decade. And, you know, it, it was a training ground, like an, a real time training ground uh, that synced with my own spiritual process of beginning to enter into dark um, spaces myself um, and having my own you know, sort of dark night of the soul again and again and again. Um, but no, it wouldn't be for actually several years. My first book came out in 2016. Mm, um, so I had okay. to get a lot of experience under my belt before I felt like I had anything interesting to say. And before I could definitively um, state that these medications are um, toxic and rife with adverse effects that you're not going to be consented for by your prescribing physician. And there is a better way and you can come off them safely. And I couldn't say any of those things, you know, before I had yeah. years of, of experience seeing, you know, what that process looked like. It's a hero's journey. It's archetypal hero's journey to come off these meds. And I, and I love it because the way you described it, like you, you pulled your sword and you had that energy when you wrote that book. I mean, that is a training ground. Like, I feel like you're, you're unconsciously, maybe not, maybe you're consciously saying this, but like, that energy is, has driven you to the point where you're at now to, you know, speak out and fight for what's happening. So actually that's, that's probably my next question for, for me, I started my healing journey around 2016, uh, 17, and I had my own dark night of the soul and had to go through all that darkness to, you know, see the light and go through the healing process. And, um, when 2020 came around, I was, it was very obvious to me. It was very obvious what was going on. It was like, what are you, they were doing this on a tiny scale. Now it's 
global. So how was it for you? When did it become real for you that what was happening globally was something that you've already experienced on a, on a smaller scale? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's an important bit of context that that kind of soared aloft energy only took me so far before it started to like eat me (laughs) alive. Mm. Um, It took me to about 2015. um, And I had written the book, you know, because the publication process takes forever. So I'd finished that treatise, you know, with all the references and all the like, FU Pharma kind of vibes in there. It's like exploding still <laughs> on the cover. You know, it was like blacklisted. It was a whole dramatic thing. And um, and my mentor, uh, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, uh, whom I met in 2014, uh, I became the first and ultimately only uh, MD that he took under his wing directly, uh, you know, clinically in the office to expose, you know, to his work, which I continue to state is some of the most uh, powerful, uh, you know, medical achievement of, you know, this century. And it's because he had a practice for 27 years devoted to um, non-interventionist, non-pharmaceutical, non-radiologic treatment of metastatic and terminal cancers Mm -hmm. with long-term outcomes, right? So, he always would say, you know, match my cases. And he was very invested in validation from the cult of medicine. You know, he passed away in 2015 very suddenly. And I do think that there are, well, I don't need to get into what I, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, it was a, it was a crisis point for me because we had been, I almost like brought him into sort of like vaccine activism that was very live at the time, you know, 110 bills rolled out across the country to uh, strip uh, religious exemptions. And that was sort of the beginning of like, how dare they, you know, kind of um, do this. And anyone in the vaccine activism world saw that coming, you know, for many, (laughs) many years prior. So, you know, when he passed, it was, I was at a like super, super, dark, low place felt like now that he's gone, I have no, no one who can protect and guide me. You know, he's like a father figure, Mm -hmm. uh, for me. And I, I knew that to save myself, I had to pivot. And so I, at that point pivoted away from exposing, you know, kind of activism, like, you know, here's what you haven't been told about statins and birth control and vaccines and antibiotics. Try, I like that energy of, of uh, trying to prove and trying to uh, save and des- it's like a desperation energy. Yeah, it is. I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, there's that Nietzsche quote that says, like, you know, you, you become the monster you're fighting. And I mm. saw it. I had so many colleagues. Um, <clears throat> we ran a group at the time, you know, vaccine related group. Oh, my God, it was so dark. Just like the hostility and pain and anger and it's very low vibes. So I thought, okay, this is not going to work for me because I'm already like in this crisis state. Um, And I decided, okay, what lights me up, you know, in my whole career? And it's whenever I would get an outcome, like a video testimonial or a thank you card or whatever the hell it was, or I saw with my own eyes, you know, some, someone triumph, um, the, I, I would just cry I and mean, I could cry talking about it, you know, like I would just tears stream down my face, like at the possibility, you know, like this is possible. And, uh, and so I decided to, to dedicate myself to that, like making sure whoever was listening to me knows that 
literally anything can be healed, literally. And I amassed like a team of clinical volunteers and we started publishing, right? So we published the first Graves uh, disease, uh, apparently ever published um, really? paper of somebody, you know, from my practice who recovered without any intervention whatsoever. She was about to have her gland removed. Um, and, you know, she's more vital than ever. We published schizophrenia outcomes, bipolar outcomes, lupus, asthma, IBS, you know, it's just like one, cause it's not, there's no like specific treatment, right? And that's what I learned from Nick was like, he did the same treatment, whether you had stage four breast cancer or mold toxicity, um, and it was tailored to you, but it was not tailored to the disease. This, mm. That concept of, of a disease being a discrete entity that has befallen you and your this your, external thing that happened yeah, to you and you didn't construct. do it to yourself. <laughs> right. It's not an expression, yeah, yeah. you know, of Eunice. And, you know, this idea that if you just like any complex system, old growth forest, you know, or any any complex system, you, you simply create the conditions and then the complexity is emergent. It's a phenomenon, you know, that takes hold. It's not something that's constructed. We wouldn't know how to build, you know, the ecosystem of an old growth forest, for example. And, you know, so at that point I shifted. And um, at that point I also had my online program, Vital Mind Reset. So we had outcomes coming through that. It's the same exact protocol I did, I did developed really based on my own health experience, which is not any sort of special, you know, um, magical thing. It's just, again, creating those conditions, but doing it with like a fierce commitment and mm -hmm. a, a, like a no bullshit engagement of your own power of will. Uh, I, want, I want to say it is special yeah. because it's, it's being taught by you and it's love based. <laughs> that makes, that makes healing all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because the field grew pretty quickly, mm -hmm. um, which is now pretty self-sustaining. I mean, Sayer and two of our dear friends did Vital Mind Reset for the first time, even though he's known about this thing forever, <laughs> for the first time in January of this year. And all three of their lives underwent the same metamorphosis that I have seen in strangers online. Wow. I mean, this Sayer is a wellness expert, you know, like he doesn't need my wellness program, you know? So what was it that changed for him? Um, it's the field. I, I believe that it's like, you know, that this, this field that is held, it's like a, you know, you step into it and whatever old, um, self-limiting patterns that are ripe for resolution, they come into organization and you step out of it. And yeah, there's a destructive process that attends that, you know, where things, are called into question and things feel really confusing and uncertain. And, you know, if you think about like a chrysalis, there's mm -hmm. that, you know, melting down of the caterpillar. It's like, is he dead? <laughs> you know, is this a hopeless situation or is there a way out? And, you know, the, the, there's a wriggling through of the nascent butterfly through that teeny, teeny hole and voila, you know, so there's that signature terrain. I always remind people who are in the shit, you know, like if you feel confused, if you feel hopeless, um, what's dying is your attachment to an old self, an old story, and you just got to let it happen. And, and the confusion is the signature. It's mm -hmm. like disorientation, confusion, like you barely feel like the ground underneath your feet is solid and it evolves. You know, whenever we learn how to feel, um, we recognize that feelings are alchemical. They move, they swirl, they shift. I mean, to stay in one emotion that you are actually allowing yourself to feel for more than 
like two weeks. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen it in my practice. I mean, it's just, it's like this, it's like mercurial. Um, mm. We just have so little experience allowing um, these feelings that we, from our child programming, really um, existentially, you know, experience as a threat. Uh, you know, that they, they could kill us, these feelings. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, would you say that your, your, the, the, your main type of patient are women or is it men? Oh yeah. Yeah. I only ever, uh, well, that's not true. <laughs> I have like four male patients that I, um, took with me from when I was a resident, uh, at Bellevue. And, um, one of them actually had an incredibly miraculous outcome, but no, my practice was focused on, on women. How many, how many women would you say you've probably helped since you shifted into that mode after you wrote your first book? That is a great question. Um, I don't know, maybe like 1500 or so, like wow. personally, but I, I wouldn't say like I helped them, you know, like I, it's a, in fact, I don't even know what I did um, because I, <laughs> that, I that know, was a great answer. I mean, it's, it's like, just... I, what did I even do? I would help them. I, I wouldn't say that. I said, I would say like, that I held space, you know, that, and I, you know, it's such cheesy phrase, but in, in this case it's really true. Mm -hmm. And I would say, actually, I worked in Manhattan and, um, Manhattan is a very yang, you know, kind of energy, masculine kind of, um, field. Mm -hmm. And I, I probably channeled some sort of paternal energy, you know, like I, I was almost like, I know this may sound weird, but like almost like, um, a benevolent father figure, I think for a lot of these women, Wow. <laughs> no, I, I totally I don't get know. that. It's yeah. like a sort of, it was different. It was like, they're used to one side of the spectrum and you show them, no, there's another side over here. And it's, yeah. And, it's like, and oh. that energy of like, you know, cause I, I, my approach was very almost militaristic. You know, you wouldn't get a second appointment unless you did the protocol to the T do not waste my time. Don't waste your time. Are you ready? Cause we're doing this, you know? And, and that is the energy. It's like I charged a lot of money. <laughs> I believe that's actually the investment is a, is a part of the alchemy. Um, I mean, my program is like uh, an eighth of what I would charge for the same protocol in person. And it worked. You know, the alchemical ingredients of like this is 100 percent of the focus of my life right now uh, produced this empowerment. And I actually believe that there's a neurobiological correlate of what happened where these women would shift out of dependency on, you know, this abuse enabling mother <laughs> archetype of, of the conventional medical um, doctor into, you know, the regenerative neurobiology of, you know, sort of out of learned helplessness and survival mode into, you know, this parasympathetic capacity where the body already knows, you know, mm -hmm. what to do, how to do it. That's why you do one protocol and, you know, your gut's healed, your brain's healed, your, you know, your thyroid's healed and it was a one-stop shop. Um, and yeah. And, and so I, initially I thought it was like, Oh, numbers, like we have, we have to tell hundreds and hundreds of stories. But then I really came to um, focus on, these N of one outcomes that have otherwise never been reported, right? Because if you know, you've been diagnosed, let's say with schizophrenia and, and you know that somebody who was on their way to be euthanized by his own mm. mother because of how horrific his experience of medicated schizophrenia was. Um, if you know that he could recover 
then that's all you kind of need, right? Like all you kind of need is to know that somebody did it. Um, and that's this, this sort of morphic resonance co concept that once it happens once, the field is generated and it becomes more possible. Mm, uh, like the pathway is connected. So then it, it, it's a little easier to tap into that same exactly. healing process. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I love that you said holding space because that's, you know, um, I've noticed that I had my own experience with the medical industry and with my girlfriend and um, she was actually with one doctor, we went to eight different doctors and one of the doctors said that she had a mild case of Steven Johnson syndrome. So her skin was just like peeling like alligator skin. It was, it was intense, but I had my own experience of shaming and don't, no, don't go to that. Don't go to the alternative practice because they don't know what they're talking about. I'm the MD and that's not holding space. That's not love-based. That's, that's ego. That's all this other stuff. And it always kept us in a confused state. We're like, yeah. what's going on? Nobody knows what's going on. There's eight doctors and you did, you just went to the opposite side of the spectrum. It's like, okay, whatever comes in, I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear them. I'm going to recognize that they are having a human experience and it's real for them. So there must be something there. Right. And that, that, that makes all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I think though, intuitively when I was in practice, I told my patients because I was always involved with their like partners and, you know, family members or whatever, because these are like high, high stakes, high risk, you know, end of the line kind of folks. Mm. Um, and I would always say to their support system, I don't want to hear the word worried. I don't want to hear the word concerned ever. Do not ever contact me and tell me that you're worried about my patient. Okay. And I don't even know where I got that from. It's just like a pet peeve. But now I think from, you know, a psycho-spiritual perspective, looking back, there is a, a sort of um, indemnification of the victim consciousness that mm. can happen when you are a compassionate bystander that is actually more disabling to the patient, if we want to call them patient or the experiencer of, of struggle, than pretty much anything else, right? Like if you were just kind of shitty and like, what the hell you've been to eight doctors and go figure this out. There's something in that, you know, go figure this out, which actually implies she can figure this out, right? Mm. Like she's got this, right? However, if, if you were somebody who was like, oh, well, well I just, are you, sh are you sure you took, you know, your, whatever it was like your right meds or supplements. And I don't know, it just seems like it's gone on for a long time. And I'm just worried about you, you know, that kind of codependent, um, triangulation. I see where it's like uh, perpetuating the victim mentality. Yeah. You don't want to do that. It's a fine line. Then you got yeah, to step is. up, but also recognize that it's a, it's an issue in their body. Wow. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I've said, and I'll say it again, you know, that I think victim consciousness is the only human pathology and it's the origin of so much of what we would otherwise call evil is mm. this um, illusory disempowerment. I mean, it's, it's the grand illusion that we do not have world generating world creating power. We do. Tapping into that is terrifying. Like, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you're like recognizing just how much freedom and control you have in a given situation. It's really uncomfortable. Like, it's really nice to just have like one or two choices or like, you know, oh, maybe I'll move to like the neighborhood near mine or whatever. But like, what if you can move anywhere in the world, right? Yeah, and and, yeah, and yeah. now it's been made clear to you that, that this, you know, this guy's the limit kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, the victim, 
consciousness, I think I dislodged <laughs> um, early on in, in working with the women that I worked with um, by simply reflecting, like, there's nothing wrong with you. There never was. And you have everything you need to do this. This, what you said you wanted to do, which is to emancipate yourself from a system that you're telling me has not served you and maybe worse. Uh, so there's no like, I mean, I never, never freaked out. I mean, I'm probably at any given time, 30% of my practice was suicidal. Like that I just didn't flinch because I knew that it's part of the terrain. Also because I have felt that kind of like surrendered hopelessness of like, mm. oh my gosh, you know, like do can I do this next lifetime? You know, so <laughs> I'm, I'm already like, try every time I meditate, I'm like tapping into my higher self and be like, okay, this is it guys. This is it. <laughs> this is the last one. <laughs> the last one yeah. I want to go to the next vibrational frequency when I'm <laughs> out of this reality. I want to come back as uh, a cat. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. You know, I just want to say, I want to, I want to thank you for the way that you're healing because that way is creating empowered women. And I want to name one that has gone above and beyond. You probably know who I'm, I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And she and her family, they have, I honestly think because of you giving, um, giving them that opportunity to see another perspective, gave that whole family the ability to take back their power and like be true leaders in this industry. And that person is Ali Zek. Yeah. You have just impacted her life so much that she has it's created so many waves moving forward. I mean, I mean, I'm wearing the, one of those shirts from, uh, Alex, you know, I don't want to say the name, but there it is. It. Um, so a question about her real quick, uh, what was different that you did to her that she went ahead and, you know, and, and became who she is now and leading this, a lot of this charge, what did you do in her process? That was that, you know, that gave her that power. Mm. Nothing. <laughs> no, like really. I, I mean, she's it. such a perfect example of somebody who it's like, I, I have this image of like, you know, um, it's like this, like a fairy, right. Who's like wearing this, like this, like garbage bag or something like comes in my office and <laughs> I like know that it's a fairy underneath there. And it's like, I'm like, okay, you know, abracadabra, you know, and they take the bag off and they're like, oh, I'm a fairy, you know, but like you were the whole time, like you were the whole time and that you were under a spell, right? So maybe mm -hmm. there is some kind of, um, you know, I don't know, uh, moment of transfer of power. And the fact that I, you know, I am an MD and yada, yada, saying things that acupuncturists and Ayurvedic practitioners have been saying for, you know, millennia probably, uh, and, and, you know, for me to see, it's like, I have a capacity. I think a lot of women have, maybe men too, but I don't know. I think a lot of women have where I can see the potential. Like I can see the highest expression of someone. I'm, I'm a little bit like that. I, I'm like really good too, at, okay. I'm really good at like connecting yeah. people to create, you know, teams. And I can see like, oh, this person can go all the way here. Yeah. I'm going to put those yeah, people it's together. Like it, it's almost like, a, I mean, I can't perceive auras, but it's almost something like that, yeah, you know, yeah, where yeah. I can look at somebody like her who was carrying multiple diagnoses, um, who was, you know, physically unwell at the time, who was, you know, on her way to state hospitalization. And I could see on some level who she is today. And 
it's just a process, you know, of getting from point A to point B. And she's a good example of, of that. I always like Cahill Gibran or somebody, somebody's quote about like, you know, the, the, the light um, that comes through the wound is like proportional. Now I'm like mm. bastardizing, butchering the quote. It's nothing like that, but it's, it's proportionate to the wound, right? So it's like how dark it gets for you. And we want to experience this contrast, right? Like I, I believe, and, and I know she would say, I wouldn't, I have heard her say, in fact, like I wouldn't change any of it, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. her experience in the trenches was like a, the ultimate spiritual training grounds. You cannot replace that. You know, and it needs to be perfectly tailored in timing and the characters and all of the variables to your expression of your gifts. And, you know, while while she is like a powerhouse beyond, uh, you know, I was even thinking about her this morning. I was like, what an amazing thing to have purely positive karma with someone, you know, like I've <laughs> literally never had anything but love based interactions with this woman. I, there are not many people in my life I can say that about, you know, and the the trenches that she was in when when we first started working together she had you know free license to do all the kinds of things that i've experienced with women i've worked with which you know it's like name calling uh, it gets real ugly you know because there's like a primitive almost like um stage of i don't know like burning off of some old Mm. emotional it's like when you think about these meds they arrest your consciousness right so whatever went subterranean when you started to take you know, Prozac or Effexor or whatever it is, it's just been waiting in the wings and in mm. your tissues, right? So it's like, it gets released and dumped, like often, you know, even if it's done slowly, um, it's like quite a tidal wave. And it's just, it was, I never experienced that with her. Um, and I will say, you know, that I know hundreds of women who in perhaps like quieter ways have expressed gifts. I mean, I have, um, a huge piece of art on my wall that I commissioned, um, you know, from, from someone who, who her Instagram handle is grounded in color, uh, who, who recovered herself from so-called bipolar disorder and, um, associated medication. I never met this woman. And I mean, her art, I have another piece she's working on right now. Like I just, her artwork is so, so touches my soul. so incredible. And to think that she was walking around the world thinking, she was like broken and sick. I mean, that's that's how it is, is that you are, it's the Luciferian inversion, right? Like you are somehow uh, convinced because you have been enculturated to actually believe this and conditioned around this, right? You're convinced that your um, greatest gift and the source of your power and your light is your greatest liability mm. and, and your, you know, unhealing wound and you know this this aspect of you that is shameful and needs to be managed um that inversion is what needs to be corrected in the process of coming off of medications and exiting that system and and trust me you'd be surprised to learn that for many of these people there is a moment where they recognize that they don't actually want to give up their patient status, that there was a lot that they were actually getting. It feels good. It feels familiar. Validating. Yeah. And there's a lot, even behaviorally that, yeah. you know, we get out of, it's like a, you know, um, you don't have to really be deeply in touch with your desires and your needs. If you just get to say like, I'm sick, I can't, you know, um, 
so yeah, so there's there's a resi- strangely a resistance to what would seem so obviously appealing right. uh, that emerges, and it's it's a whole process of of stepping into a new skin that's totally unfamiliar, and uh, I think Ali would be the first to say like the journey is harrowing, you know, and it's it's long, like it's years long, yeah. um, and obviously I didn't you know go through the the trials that she did, and the architecture of her process is familiar to me from my own. So that's the only place from which I could ever, you know, support somebody is like, I know what it feels like, you know, to, I mean, I've had multiple identities even in the past decade, you know, I know what it is to shed a skin. I love this um, because, you know, it goes back to what, do, what Dr. Docera actually means, which is to a teacher. And, and it's it, based on what you're saying is like, oh, I'm healing these people who are in turn coming back and healing me. You know, if that, if that piece of art is you're, you're seeing it every day that there's healing, there's heal, healing in that. And so that's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's the medical system I want to be a part of. Right. <laughs> you know? right. It's like or it's not this, it's not just this guy telling me you're wrong and here I'm the, I'm the God here. And let me, let me tell you what I was taught. Absolutely. It's an exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to kind of just discuss, I, we were kind of, uh, this conversation is going really well and it's already like 45 minutes in. Um, so kind of go a little bit into what, what's, what's been happening in 2020, 2021 now. Um, I really want to know your perspective on, on all this. So ha- first, I guess, first part of the question is, has your, has your opinion changed about the you-know-what in these last eight months, six months? And um, what is your opinion in general about it? I just, you know, I, I've, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I, and I've been trying to get a perspective of every doctor that I, that I interview. What is your perspective on it? So you asked me earlier and I realized as happens in these conversations, like I didn't even really answer, but you asked me earlier, like, how did I, something like, how did I have almost like a rehearsal, you know, for what ended up coming on the stage in, you know, 2020. And like you, um, or maybe I think you told me it was like you were like a month delayed. Uh, But, you know, right when this dropped, I knew, not like I knew exactly what was going on, but like I smelled a rat immediately, right? Also, I had stopped believing in germ theory. So, you know, I already don't believe in pandemic. It was was very easy. It was like, oh, there's nothing external that's going (laughs) to mess with me. (laughs) Right. And like, you know, then you, you, you know, you look back to the rehearsals that, were, you know, publicly documented on the internet. I mean, it's just, and so when I came out with a video, um, in March, um, you know, that's what my team was like, don't do it, don't do it. You know, because I had moved from New York in this very masculine field that I was occupying. I moved to Miami pretty much again to save my own life, you know, like I, because I knew on a soul level that I needed to start to balance. Um, and I said, you know what? I, I had published a paper in a peer-reviewed journal on the psychobiology of. Am I not supposed to say that word? Okay, that's uh, uh, right. <laughs> I'm not good at self-censoring in case you haven't. Um, you know, and I, uh, I felt like at this point. So when was that? Like 2017, 18. Hmm. Everyone knows how to access the information that they want. If you want to apply these interventions to your child, including on the day of birth and or to your teen girl or your adult self, you do you, okay? You do you enjoy. Those of us who have, you know, seen the light and walked, you know, away from this system, 
I, I guess I started to feel like it's not my responsibility <laughs> any longer, mm-hmm. you know, to save anybody from themselves. And so I really walked away. I closed down a group that I was running. I walked away from this and I started to focus on mothering and dancing and growing food and, you know, learning a lot of things that I'd never taken the time to learn, like guitar and sewing. And, you know, I started adopting animals and I, um, hip hop dancing. Yeah. <laughs> that I was <laughs> I already love. in New York. Okay. And, you know, but I, I, uh, I, I began feminizing and mm. I, I really, you know, had this beautiful sisterhood of women and it was such um, a moment, you know, in, in my life history, the, when this hit, it was like, I forgot all that, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I wrapped on my costume. It was like, I reverted, took your short out <laughs> I reverted right back, like immediately yeah. back. And then for months I was like, I'm going to figure out what's going on and here's the proof and all the details. And it was like, um, that same sort of like, you know, I stopped even dancing. It was like, that like creepy energy of infiltration Mm. that you consent to when you allow yourself to be dragged behind the car of these psyops. And so it didn't take that long. Uh, By the time we did the Thank You Body rally last year, I already once again was recognizing, how about I focus on what I know to be amazing about being a human being and the capacity that we have to learn about ourselves through our experiences of so-called illness. Right. And, and I, I shifted again away from the newsreel and I I'm still at that point where honestly, like my girlfriend yesterday was like, do you know if like to come back to the U S we have to, you know, take the jab or whatever. And I was like, girlfriend, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean? You don't know. It's like, I don't know. I stopped paying attention because at this point, if you do not know, that opting out of this system is the way to preserve connection to your soul, your humanity, and your experience of agency in this lifetime, then it's not for me to interfere with your journey or your trajectory. Mm. How, who am I to say that, you know, your Aunt Barbara, who wants to take the shot, who am I to say that she shouldn't or that I know what is best? I do not know what is supposed to be happening? And that's why I love Byron Katie's work. It's like, what is happening is what should be happening. And we know that because it's happening, right? So the more you fight with reality, like the more you end up with your panties in a bunch and then your life sucks. Like, so we can, we can really release people to their experience because this ain't about science. It is not about information. I've even wondered if science is dead. Like I really enjoy Science, you know, a religion started called scientism. Exactly. And it's it's dead and maybe unrecoverable because it's so corrupted, Um, Mm. you know, and it's so far science uh, from being a system of understanding the natural world. And now it has become a biopolitical control weapon. And so I, I, you know, while I have deeply researched um, the adverse effects on, you know, the human system of injecting any of of, of the potential ingredients, um, including, you know, what we're told is in this one. And I am so far in the PSYOP category of conspiracy theorist, <laughs> conspiracy realist, that I don't even believe what we're told. I don't take the bait of any of it. I, I just assume that they're, you know, wagging our tails whenever anything is reported by mainstream media. This is a point of contention between me and Sayer. It's like, 
I do not believe one single thing, not one single thing that makes international headlines. Not one. None, none of it is true. Right. Like I, I have to agree with you. Bombs dropping, you. rockets launching, like you name it to me. I've seen enough videos of that stuff being uh, orchestrated. Yes. And I'm like, oh, they can do it's like it's like a movie. I mean, it's like a movie. I've I've I'm a, I'm an actor. I'm, I'm in production. I've been in movie sets all over the world. Exactly. They do it. They exactly. freaking do it. And to, to get to the point where you can see that the. That is what media is for. It has not been for so many decades a means of disseminating actual realistic, you know, information to the masses. That is not what it's for. I, I would say never. I would say it was created for uh, uh, ideological subversion. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, I don't know, you know, that I believe even other than colleagues I have who like independently detected graphene oxide and things like that. Like, I don't know that I would believe anything otherwise. And I, I really am at a point where it's like, I don't know anyone actually uh, in my lived life who has opted for that intervention. So I've already created a reality for myself where it's like not even relevant. Um, and that's, that does not mean I'm not experiencing divisiveness and other flavors of the same energy of polarity. And so to me, it's, it's not really about, um, winning this little war mm. against the vaccine passport. And it was about that for me for many, many years. Cause we saw those of us in the, in this activism world, we saw this vaccine passport coming. I mean, that's a big part of why I moved to Florida because Sayer and I were like, they're going to hit the airlines first. I mean, this was years and years ago and it wasn't our, you know, it's like a known thing. So this is playing out exactly as it was intended. And I think the degrees of freedom that we really have apart from, you know, actual literal um, legislative action, like he, you know, uh, co-founded Central Freedom and things like that um, is internal, right? And it's mm. about how are we interacting with you know, polar opposites, you know, like how is it that we are um, relating to that which is other and feels scary and threatening. And that's something that I'm working on because, you know, I've never worn a mask and, you know, we had friends who invited us to dinner early in this process. Right. And they were like, okay. And, and, you know, anyway, they were like, we're social distancing. And so, you know, uh, so yeah, they're trying to be we're not, we're doing the not whole thing. I'm just not going to hug you. Hello. And like, we're just going to set the table a certain way or whatever. And I was like, dude, we're not coming then. Like there are consequences to your caution that are in the realm of, you know, human relations that I require when I interact with people. You know, So like, we're not coming. And that's when I started to perceive like these two realities don't have an obvious complementarity, right? If, mm. if you are afraid of my body and my germiness or whatever, and for me to interact with somebody in a mask, for example, is a dehumanizing experience of proportions I refuse to regularly engage in. How do we co-occupy the same space? I don't know. So there's been a lot of talk recently about, you know, if you, if you did get the, you know what, because of jobs, because of whatever pressures you felt in your life that you needed to, there's a lot of regret happening now. Um, a lot of people that have awakened to a lot of things these last few months and they're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And I've been getting, 
I'm not even kidding, probably hundreds of DMs of like, my aunt got this, I got this, my, my sister, my brother, my daughter, my son, whatever. So there's been a lot of talk about like, what, what what's the antidote? How can we get rid of this? How can oh, yeah, we I detox our bodies? And, um, you know, I, I guess the question is to you, is there some way to do it? And have you heard of urotherapy as being one way to do it? Meaning like urine autotherapy? U- urine autotherapy. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So, okay. So I have believed, so as somebody, again, remember I was in the cult. So I am super sensitive to the controlled opposition, right? Um, which to me is greenwashed, you know, allopathy. Mm. And integrative medicine, I think, is the most dangerous form of medicine there is. I believe that from the moment I woke up, uh, it's pick a lane, okay? Pick a lane. Why? Because your belief, your commitment to a specific field of belief is what affords you the outcomes that otherwise are not going to be available. I, I have not spent one second of my career learning about that because I believe you should never get one. Okay, not you or him or her, whatever. One, whoever is asking me, my response is don't get it. And if that means you lose your job, you're homeless, you know, whatever it means, that to me is the path of your reclamation. Mm -hmm. You may not be ready for that. And so whatever antidote, you know, uh, is going to be necessary for you if you chose to retain your job or stay in your in your life that is totally incoherent with your value system and you self-violated, right, in service of this hierarchical model, you will find whatever it is that you need in order to engage the ritual initiation to yourself. Mm, Because whether it's it's urine therapy or homotoxicology or whether it's, you know, chelation or whatever it is, what it's going to be doing for you is bringing you back into the field of alignment with your own agency, power, and personal responsibility. So I don't think there is such a thing as a detox. We don't even know what is in it. It's like <laughs> yeah. absurd. We don't even know what it's in it. What do you do? There's detox? a lot of speculation on everything right now. So yeah. yeah. I mean, are you gonna go meet with a shaman or are you gonna like do coffee enemas? I don't know. Do whatever you want, but make sure that you are in charge of the process of healing yourself. Because if you re-engage that same field of waiting to be told what it is that you need to do for yourself, you're, I mean, I'm sure you know people, I know people from the you know autism world who literally become professional patients for mm. a, a, a lifelong- the body, the body even starts to want it, right? It's because it's gotten so used to that system it's that it's, it needs it. Yeah. It's the same consciousness. So, you know, I, I, that being said, you know, yes, I have had in my practice, you know, vaccine recovery cases, if you want to call them that mostly HPV vaccine, mm-hmm. um, is my protocol like specialized for that? No. Does it generate the conditions for your body to self heal? Yes. Is that what you need to do through my protocol or something else? Yes. And I do believe that once you open to that, Desire, desire is the most powerful force, in my opinion. Mm. Once you open to that, it'll happen for you. It's going to happen for you. You're going to be fine. You can recover. (laughs) You know, anyone can recover. Um, It's about that shift of power and that shift of readiness. 
That being said, I have recently become very interested in urine autotherapy. It has different names, I guess. I just I just interviewed Dr. Edward Group um, yesterday or two days ago on this. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. So I just, I'm about to put out a newsletter about, you know, my uh, experiences and folks that I've spoken to about it, because whenever something comes into my field, like three times, I know it's time to explore. Yeah. But this <laughs> happened like, pretty recently, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been because of my mentor, like a coffee enema proponent for so long. Um, and when I learned about urine therapy, which I had only ever heard about one time, actually, from a girlfriend who recovered her two um, vaccine injured sons, like 20, 20 something years ago. Wow. Um, I never really otherwise heard about it. And then I heard about it three times in the space of, you know, like a month. I was like, all right, what is this? And the more I researched, you know, the more I found like, this is the ultimate in self-healing. It is the ultimate, you know, you don't even need food. <laughs> it's oh like my goodness. I love that. I just captured this moment because that's, <laughs> I, I wanted to hear from you. Yes. Yeah. It's so amazing. I mean, I drink my pee every day now. And Interesting. I, How long I, have you been doing it? Mm, probably three months. Well, have you seen any, any, my face. yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like to, I uh, you know, I'm a biohacker. Like I like to self-experiment. Yeah. I guess I'm tec technically not because I don't like measure the outcomes, but I look for you know what I what I notice. And I am actually pretty sensitive. It's like a joke with my friends to supplements, right? Like they're like, "What are you taking, Kelly?" Like you know, right? I, I don't know. Like I, supplements and me had a divorce like a couple of years ago, <laughs> and so you know, I was like, "This is really interesting," and. It took a lot to get beyond the gross factor, you know, mm -hmm. which is real. Um, because again, in medical school, I was taught this is a waste product. And, you know, through ancient lineages, you know, Indian lineages, and also through modern application of this therapy that appears to be a gross misapprehension of what actually, you know, urine is. And I'm sure you've already heard this from people way more expert than me. Um, but nonetheless, like getting beyond that was challenging and, you know, I, I can't say I had like enough troubling me to see, you know, it's like just sort of like a wellness strategy. Mm. Um, but to me, it's also part of like the prepping consciousness is like, well, you know, if you, we have all these examples of like soldiers and downed pilots and whatever, like surviving off of their urine, like this is a, a it's cool real man. Thing. Yeah. Um, and, and what you just said, you can survive on it without food because it's, uh, the, the way the doctor explained is it's it's um, every morning your body is creating this medicine to rebalance your system on the things that it that it needs because there's the the eight essential amino acids are in there to create all that good stuff and proteins and all that but um, but yeah this uh, you can survive so, off of your pee <laughs> yeah I had a girlfriend um, the other day she was like oh my god I got stung by like a wasp it's so painful who knew I was like girl pee on your hand <laughs> I burned my finger. Finger. And usually, you know, it pulsates and it, and it hurts for like, I don't know, 30 minutes or a little more. Peed on it. Couple minutes. <laughs> Couple minutes. Two to five minutes. It was gone. I'm like, it's real. This is real. <laughs> you got to self-experiment. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to you. Like who, who knows? Cause I even started to get into like the science. Cause I think even Sayers index something on Green Info, whatever. And I was like, who cares anymore? Like that's not a method of internalizing what is relevant to me. I have to experience it and then I will know. 
And that's true of everything right now. You know, you have to experience what you're feeling called to explore because the guru model is dead. It's dead mm. by necessity. You know, I closed my practice for that reason um, because I recognized that no matter how much I am a champion for patients to reclaim their own power, I still am an MD, I still am in a power position, and I still am in that dyadic parent-child dynamic. And there's not really a way around it, you know, because of our conditioning at this point. And I started to see that my outcomes in private practice relative to those in my online program where I'm not, I'm barely involved, were slower and stickier and ultimately less compelling. Mm. And so I really think that, you know, and that doesn't mean you don't get support. It doesn't mean you can't be around like minds. You it, you can't source information um, to validate your intuition from those around you. And it doesn't mean you can't have like a mentor or a coach. Um, you know, in all the things I've learned recently that I'm total novice at, I love the mentorship model. Um, it's temporary, right? It's just to get you, you know, your, your legs under you and then you figure out how to walk. And that's really, I think the field that we're entering is super uncomfortable and scary because there isn't an authority outside of you. There's nobody like there to catch you if you make a mistake. It's like, you, yeah, you gotta learn. That's yeah. part of the process, you yeah. know? And and these days, I mean, I'm sure you, you, you also have had your own experiences with controlled opposition and, you know, people not being who they seem to be. And, you know, we, we don't know about anything beyond our own um, intuition. And which, so, which, which is why, yeah, this discernment, you have to discern, discern. you have to connect the intellect to the body and discern <laughs> or right. else yeah. it's so chaotic. The information is so chaotic right now or information in general. There's so much of it that, that you can't trust anything. You can't trust yeah. anything online. So the opposite is what? Discern individually. Right. Couldn't agree more. Oh, wow. This was such an amazing, amazing, amazing experience for me personally. And I'm so grateful that you were able to give me this time and your energy and your effort. Thank you. Um, so last thing um, you want to, uh, I like to leave the last word to the interviewee. If you want to plug something or leave a piece of advice for people, you know, moving forward in this reality. Yeah. I mean, I gosh, I, I had no concept of how um, relevant a toolkit you know, what I, even what I put in my last book on yourself would be to this moment, because there is in that disorientation and confusion that so many who are, let's say, waking up because they made a medical decision that they recognized shortly thereafter was a self-violation. Like, where do you go? Right. What do you do? Mm -hmm. There's that feeling of helplessness. That's, you know, so much more painful than the feeling of like, I was victimized by, I'm going to be angry. You know, I was victimized by the system. And so, yeah, I mean, if it calls to you as a self-implemented um, toolkit, you know, that's what my entire platform is devoted to is, is getting you started there. And so, yeah, over at kellybroganmd.com. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm so appreciative again. Um, and I you know my family's down in South Florida. So when I'm down, down there, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you guys up because I really want right to give that you guys a big hug. <laughs> That'd be amazing. It's great to connect. Thank you so much. We'll see you. I'll see you again uh, some awesome. other time. That was an amazing interview with Dr. Kelly Brogan. I'm so grateful that all of you were able to hear it and listen to it and experience it just like I did. If you want to dive deeper into Kelly Brogan's work and you know, being able to reset your mindset, make sure you check her Instagram out. It's Kelly Brogan, MD, 
or you can go and check out her website um, at kellybroganmd.com. She's an amazing soul. And if you want to learn more on how you can take that power back to heal yourself on a cellular level, like on a very grounded level, she's a very good source to start at, a very good place to start at. Now, if you want to know more about crypto, you can definitely check out my website. It's autogomes.live. And I have a free training session there that you can check out that's 90 minutes long and goes really deep into crypto and the NFT space and everything that we're discussing around the metaverse. Uh, so make sure you check it out. Thank you all again for listening. I'm super excited to be doing this for you all. And, and, and thank you for your energy that you're providing to listen to me talk and all the people that I uh, am interviewing and connecting with. And always remember to gamify your abundance. Love you all.